0: Welcome to the podcast that explores eudomania. Youda what? Eudomania is the pursuit of well-being based on our individual needs, which I love because we are all unique, and therefore our pursuit of wellness should be unique too. I'm a big fan of individualized, personalized care. There's no one-size-fits-all. I'm your host, Emily Geiser. I'm a nature-loving, spiritually curious health and life coach who rarely runs out of questions, so I decided to host an interview-style podcast so that I can ask all the questions that I want. Each week, we'll dive into topics of personal development, nutrition, spirituality, mental health, and well-being with guests who generously share their tools and expertise. If you enjoy what you hear, please be sure to follow on Apple or subscribe on Spotify. It helps the podcast, and you'll be alerted each week when a new episode drops. Let's dive in. Today, we have Lori Voss-Furakawa with us. She has a unique approach to empowering women, coming from 20 years of living, studying, and working in North America, Asia, and Europe. Clearly, she's internationally inspired, and she is passionate about giving women a seat at the table. Lori's expertise includes energetic eating, which stems from the wisdom of traditional Chinese medicine, empowerment coaching, hatha yoga, reiki, and mindfulness. Her approach to wellness is in tune with nature, the energetics of food, your body, and the universe. I think we're going to have so much to connect on and discuss here, Lori. I'm looking forward to it. Mm, Me too. Thank you. I know that you know that food is medicine and it's just one of your tools for healing. So I I definitely want to focus a lot of our conversation there because it's such a great starting point for people. But first, you are the first person who's trained in traditional Chinese medicine Who I've had on this podcast. So I would love it if you could just take a few minutes and tell us what is traditional Chinese medicine and maybe how'd you find it? Okay, great. So I guess I'll start with how I found it. I
1: found it because I was living in China. (laughs) I actually, we moved from Japan to China. And in that time, I had actually health issues that came and had arose. And when we got in China, I realized that I needed support and the Western medical doctors were not pulling through for me. So I started looking at alternative medicine options and traditional Chinese medicine was at the forefront for me. So that's how I came across it. And it was very new for me as well. I hadn't really heard much about it besides knowing like about acupuncture, you know, out in the ethers kind of thing, but also have never received it before that. Traditional Chinese medicine really comes from, as ancient, 3,000 years old or more. So it's a practice that is really filled with lots of wisdom. It's still practiced today in China, although unfortunately not as much. Western medicine is putting its foothold there a little bit more. It really deals with the energetics, or the what I, I should say, the aspect that I have taken on is the energetics of how we have the yin and the yang. We all kind of know that, or a lot of us know that, that the opposing sides, right? So there's if we think about the yang, that that warming, the heat, the sun in the universe, and the the yin is the cooling, it's the the moon, the the feminine energy. It's a little they're really opposing forces, right? So we can see these principles in food as well. That's how I look at through energetic eating. We look at the principles of the food and how we can gain a a deeper understanding of what our bodies are made up of, because we look at it from a different perspective. And also what, for example, the food that we eat, how they're made up from a different perspective, not only caloric intake, we don't necessarily focus on that so much. And then we can, you know, get even deeper and look at how, like I said, it affects with the universe at different times of the day. We really take a, a holistic approach from that traditional Chinese medicine. It really looks at so many factors that are going on in our body and also what's like I say, what, are, what the food is made up of and the different times of the day, different seasons as well.
0: So let's talk about these energetic properties of food. I, I imagine this sure. is going to be new to a lot of the listeners because even learning <laughs> that food is medicine is kind of a, a new shift of thinking for a lot of people, right? So tell me about the energetics of food.
1: Yes. So like I mentioned already, we have that yin and yang concept when we look at food. So certain foods have a warming, more warming properties than others. A nice kind of analogy or way we can think about it is, for example, root vegetables. Like if you have a daikon, this white radish, Japanese white radish, it grows, you know, it's, it's a straight radish. It's growing deep into the ground. It's very like linear. It's strong. That root really digs deep into the earth. That's a yang vegetable. This is a yang food. It has a powerful energy. It's also full of minerals. So when the food has like a really high mineral content, which from a TCM perspective, we talk about root vegetables, all root vegetables are of a yang component. They have the warming ability for our body. They bring in a stronger life force component. And we can also think, for example, of ginger or turmeric. These are both roots. Now, if you know turmeric, if if you've ever seen it, it's, it's quite straight, right? And ginger is a little bit more like knobby and and goes. So they're both essentially young component. But turmeric is stronger because it has that more linear visualization on it, right? The the way that the ginger kind of like pokes out here and pokes out there, it's a little bit softer for us. It's a little bit easier on our digestion, for example. But both of them are warming herbs. If we look at something like fruits, fruits in general are yin. They're very cooling for our body. They have a very cooling component, and they are naturally helping us to cool down. Again, they're full of vitamins and minerals, but not the same concept as a root vegetable. Very different. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot about the energetics from a TCM perspective, but we can also look at it in terms of, I had mentioned life force. This is another piece that when we look at food, what is the life force that it gives us? So from an energetic perspective, for example, an animal, once the animal is dead, so is the life force that doesn't provide us with life force anymore. That energy is not there. And this also can be looked at from an Ayurvedic perspective as well. That just the animal dead. It's just that plain and simple. It doesn't have that living component anymore. And I would say almost like the exact opposite of that would be fresh sprouts. Sprouts are full of life force. They're still alive. They're green. If you planted it in the ground, you're going to have a plant coming out of there, right? So there's like that. That's really the energetics that, like I say, there's many different little components and pieces we can look at. But that,
0: I would say, is a pretty good summary of it. I think that you're tapping on pieces that I feel like in the Western world we talk about more readily and people might be more familiar with with why they talk about eating seasonal food or eating local food as you're talking about the young qualities of root vegetables being warming to our bodies, right? Those vegetables are primarily harvested in preparation for cold weather, you know? So that makes a lot of sense that if you're buying foods that are in season, available at the farmer's market, when it's cold, you're going to be buying a lot of those root vegetables which are warming. And to the life force piece of that, you know, once we've picked vegetables, they are in a dying process, right? They are losing their life force. And the benefit of eating foods as freshly picked as possible is because there's more of that life force in there. So that's another reason aside from promoting the local economy and your local farmers and and living in sync with, you know, your natural local environment. Shopping locally also helps you get food that is fuller in life first.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Agree with you 100% on that. And seasonal local produce, of course, if we can get organic is also best as well. This is definitely um, part of energetic eating and really, like you say, helping the environment all around. You know, that's what's available in our geographical location. So it doesn't have a long transportation it's you know we can have an opportunity even to get the farmer get you know, the farmer there's so many benefits from that and of course when we eat locally it's also like that bigger picture of a universal approach as well in terms of we eat the food and our body is in this area and it adjusts to that area so we eat what's available for us now of course in colder climates it's a little bit different and we have to think about winter time it can be a little bit more challenging but again, like you said about the harvesting of the root crops is coming into this, you know, the, the cooler months. That's where we really can find a lot of the vitamins and minerals that we still need. And a lot of those root crops keep as well if we have them in proper storage. Mm-hmm. They're keeping a lot and keeping really well. So yeah, definitely. I'm a huge supporter and definitely recommend local, organic, seasonal foods and supporting your, your local farmers. Absolutely. That because that supports our body as well in the best way because as you mentioned as well when the, as soon as the plant is picked out of the earth it's essentially not having that the life force connection anymore so we do want to consume it as soon as possible and when it's local it's going to be the best bet for us to get that
0: i'm curious about your experiences living in europe and asia if you have found there's more of a connection to local food naturally anyway i guess it depends where you are hmm. i found in china We were in a
1: a small city for China, but still over one million people. But definitely the people are eating in this way, in a local way. When I lived in China was when I really started shopping at local markets because it was all every day outside of our apartment. There was The the sellers came out at like three, four o'clock and it was like you could go get fresh vegetables every single day. Like how fortunate and how beautiful and amazing is that? Japan was a little bit different. I had lived there as well. The local markets were not as prevalent. Hmm. We were just on the outskirts of Tokyo. So again, you know, the location is different. Everything is a little bit different. When you get a little bit more outside of the city, you'll find more local sellers, just maybe a handful of things that they're selling, but they're selling their produce. In Europe, my experience is specifically from Germany and Lithuania. And we have both places that I've lived now is they're always having weekly markets, which is amazing all year. So it's at least that. And that's like every Saturday I'd go to the market and get get my fresh vegetables and, and my produce that I can get access to fresh local foods. And people are generally knowledgeable and, and they want to do that. Uh, and I, I feel that here very much. It, it's very much part of the culture. Yeah.
0: That's really interesting. And then not to generalize Too much. I guess it's kind of easy to do that. But I'm wondering if you're also seeing a difference in eating as I guess I want to say, like eating as convenience, like just getting something in your body so you're not hungry anymore versus a nourishing experience and really enjoying the value of the food. I guess the reason I ask is because I think when we're more connected to our farmers and to the land where the food is grown, there's more appreciation for the food and more enjoyment with the food. Just as a really broad brush stroke, than if we're buying it at some large supermarket. So do you see that play out in the culture there? Yes, I think so. Again, that feel, I feel like that goes back to exactly
1: connecting with the farmer and that local, you know, it's like people can be quite seasonal eaters and they really have their tradition. I feel yes. like in North America, we've come away from that a bit more mm-hmm. and we have quite a bit more Convenience food available. Now, like I say, of course, we have supermarkets all over Europe and there's all kinds of convenience foods as well. But there's definitely, I feel more of that here. There's definitely more of a connection to people understanding and wanting to feel about where their food is really coming from.
0: So I think about all the different ways that you offer support to women and teach them really about self care. I really want a new phrase for the word self care because I feel like it like equates to a spa day to a lot of people or a manicure. And that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking, when I'm asking you about self care, you know, I'm asking about like really being aware of where your body needs support. And how does food fit into that for you? I agree. Like, you know, so many people are like, it's not taking a warm bath.
1: And then this one says that. So I, I also feel like self care has a lot of, a lot of factors under there. But I also, I where I like to turn it around to self love, actually. And that's a really good point because. I feel like when we can really dig deeper, and that's a lot of the work that I do with the women as well, we work one-on-one and it's like, where are you at with self-love? Because when we really and truly start to love ourselves more, we're going to want to put better food in our body. We're going to want to nourish ourselves more. We're going to feel the difference of when we put crappy food in. We're going to know that. So Yeah, it's it's a really big piece for me and it really runs parallel when you're learning the energetic components of food and learning about self-love. Because when we really do start to embody the self-love, it really shifts for the things that we want to do and say and act. And it's it's just such a
0: big piece to being healthy and living a healthy life. So you're saying when you develop this self-love, you actually make more empowered decisions around food. And you're naturally trying to serve yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Less about rules and restriction. and Yeah. And that's like when
1: when we work together, when I work with different women, it's like we learn, like I say, the energetics of food, but we're working on that self-love component. So you learn all the tools and then you, you know, it's like I say, it starts to fit together and all the women that I've ever worked with, are just like, they say like, it resonates. And that's how I felt as well. It was like, oh my God, this information just... It's like it resonates in my core when I started hearing about this, like I say, the energetics of food and how, you know, the sun, we are human beings. We're governed by the sun and the moon on this planet. And it's like, that's such a simple concept. We're supposed to be sleeping at night and we're supposed to be awake in the daytime. Again, a simple concept, but we often overlook it. When we start to think about as well, okay, the warmth of the day, you know, what's a good food for the breakfast? We want to have warming foods for our breakfast, as I mentioned earlier about vegetables or or even just fruits being very cooling and they're very yin-based. A lot of people say they like to have fruit for breakfast. And it's like, I would really recommend, I strongly suggest for all my clients, all the people that I work with, we want warming foods. Our digestive fire is waking up in the morning as we wake up. We want to help promote that. We want to add nice fuel to that fire so it works for us so it works for our benefit when we start to understand these concepts it's like oh well that you know, like I say it makes sense of course I why would I want to put put out the fire right no we want to warm it up we want to start it up ignite that space and like I say when we start to learn these things again it for me it's just it runs so parallel with self-love because that it's it's just it's just parallel it's it's totally part of it
0: I love that. And so I think the the piece that you're talking about there with like when we're waking up, our digestion is firing up. That has to do with the circadian clock, according to traditional Chinese medicine, correct? Where certain organs are like activated or repairing during a certain hour of the day. Yeah, exactly. We can break it down to
1: see like what times of day that certain, you know, our liver is regenerating or you know, throughout the nighttime as well, like that's when we're supposed to be sleeping because certain bodily functions are repairing and working. And it's like I say, we're supposed to be eating during the daytime. Our ancestors didn't have light switches. You know, they didn't have things to to keep them going all night long. Our bodies are not supposed to be going all night long. So when we can tune in as best as possible to the natural circadian rhythm that our body has and the universe, the natural sunlight that's coming up every day although it doesn't necessarily shine every day i feel like lithuania is very rainy and cloudy but i know that it's daytime we know that the sun is there that's natural our our digestive fire is called a fire for a reason it's it's part of it and that the sun our bodies are in sync with that and it's again i feel like for me it's such it's very simple concepts but we often i was going to say overlook but we don't even learn it we don't even have this in a lot of Western society anymore. We've we've come so far away from this basic foundation that we are part of this universe. We are governed, like I said already, by the sun and the moon. If we can adhere to that as best as possible, our body rhythm is naturally going to find its cycle and we're going to be moving towards
0: a healthier state of living. I love that. So important. I feel like we're at an evolutionary mismatch to the modern lifestyle right? We are not meant to have, to your point, lights on all the time, eating at all hours of the day, sleeping a little bit here, a little bit there. We've really lost track of it. And science hasn't caught up anywhere near to see like, what is the effect of this, right? So we're running around feeling so much stress and so much burnout and being diagnosed with every inflammatory disease possible. Yes. And there are these simple things that we can shift. really work with our bodies absolutely and i love that you were
1: you use the word the simple things that we can work with because i really also focus on like taking the complicated out of it you know there's all the health and the weight loss and the nutrition like marketing out there oh my gosh it's so overwhelming right and especially if we do have any health issues or we're health conscious or even if we want to take preventative
0: steps it's so so overwhelming there's so many diets Friends, are you tired of dieting? I know when I used to be in a diet cycle, I was always worried that if I wasn't dieting or restricting something or doing some sort of cleanse that I'd be gaining weight. This season can be triggering for a lot of people and weight gain, you know, it's not only common, but it's expected this time of year. The best way to get run down, to gain weight and to feel like shit is to treat this next season like every single day is a holiday. I want to help you find balance so that you aren't restricting foods and you aren't gaining weight or compromising your health either. The overwhelm, the rules, I am so over it. However, you can enjoy the season, like truly enjoy the season and take care of yourself. If you'd like my support in developing a routine that you stick to and extra accountability this season, sign up for my Voxer coaching. Voxer coaching is great if you're clear on your next steps and want support and accountability getting there. It's like having me on speed dial all month without having to schedule sessions. Voxer is a free messaging app and you will see why I love it. The link to sign up is below in the show notes and also on my website, emilygeyser.com. Do this, do that, eat this, eat that, don't eat that, these superfoods, buy this,
1: buy that. And it's like, actually... We need to go back to the basics. Yes, unfortunately, in today's world, we have done a lot of damage to our soil quality and the foods don't necessarily have all the minerals and vitamins in that our ancestors would have been consuming. That's very unfortunate. So perhaps taking some supplements or doing some superfood kind of, you know, putting things here and there in is not a bad idea. Really, I focus on the simple foundational approach of getting Diversity, local, seasonal foods, organic, doing this on a regular basis, the whole foods, you know, really doing our best to move away from all these convenience things. Now, I know that's challenging because a lot of people are working too, you know, both mom and dad are working at home, or your partner and you are both working. You have kids, people are busy. I get it. But at the same time, we must just start making changes or our health is absolutely suffering. And we see this already with all the disease that is riddled with so many people today. It's And yeah, it's it's manageable. That's the best part. And it's simple. It doesn't have to be super complex. We can take on these things, be doing them on a regular basis and be benefiting our health.
0: I definitely want to ask you about your morning routine. And now I'm extra curious what your breakfast look like. But before we go that direction, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you feel like it's important for people to know about, including your Energetic Eating Foundational Program. Please tell us a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So the foundational program that I'm offering, it's going to be, yeah, Energetic Eating is the focus. But like I mentioned earlier, I always run like parallel. We work on our self-love, the concept and the acceptance we have for ourselves. Program is three months long. It'll be starting in January, so a good time for New Year. New Year. I don't really like term resolution. New Year resolutions. They seem to always, you know, we set these silly things or I, we set these big goals, I should say, and they often fall to the wayside quite quickly. So, but the New Year is energetically, which I really like to work with energy. Energetically, it's a great time to think about new start, a new thing, new ways of being. Incorporating this in our space. So yes, it'll be starting in January. It's three months, and I find that really when I work one-on-one with my clients, it's the best results because we can really look at what's personal for that person, how they can, you know, deal with their situation and their space. There will be external support as well, like a Voxer support. So we'll have opportunities to have contact with me outside of the actual coaching program. And in this program, you learn tools on all the food stuffs that I have already spoken about. But like I say, we just really go in a lot of depth on that. And there is also meditation type of work and mindful work that we do. That's where we look at the self-love stuff as well. We we dig into the energetics of that. And we'll look at, you know, what are some of the things that might be holding you back or old patterns, how to help shift those. And what I feel is really beautiful about this program is all the tools that we work through together are simple and accessible for you to continue using on a daily basis in your own life. So it's not that I mean, yes, of course, I'm here for your support, but what I really want is for the women that I work with to have these tools for the rest of their life so they are empowered to move forward and have that healing energy for themselves and for their loved ones if they should should choose to, to share it with others as well. Yes.
0: That's so great. It's such a gift to be able to give people tools that they can then take and get lifelong benefit from. Versus you were mentioning like all this weight loss and somebody loses weight and we know what happens. It's not a tool that you have lifelong. It's a path to yo-yo dieting. So I appreciate all of that. Yeah. Tell me about your morning routine. Yes, yes, yes. I'm excited about this one. So actually,
1: interestingly enough, my morning routine starts at night because I'm eating actually whole grains every morning for breakfast. So like a whole grain cereal, but not a package box that says contains five whole grains or something like this. The actual grain. Um, some of the grains that I rotate in my kitchen, buckwheat, millet, amaranth, quinoa, brown rice, and barley. I have those six grains in my kitchen and every day I have a different one. And why I said it starts the night before is because the night before I soak that grain. I measure out how much I want. I know the quantity that, it's ready, that that I need for my breakfast. And I rinse and soak it every night. So it soaks eight to 12 hours overnight. In the morning, I rinse it. And that's really when my morning routine starts. I wake up in the morning and I go start, like, put the kettle on for some hot water. And then I do start my preparing my breakfast. That's really a foundational piece for me in the morning. I, If there's one thing that I would say people do is eat, a good solid breakfast. And I know we've heard like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I don't necessarily want to focus on that concept necessarily, but it's just getting those whole grains in actually. And whole grains are energetically of the yang component. So they are more warming for us and they really provide that nice, warm energy that our digestive fire really likes to have. But that's really where my morning is at one other thing that I like to do in the morning in, for a morning routine is hot, I have a hot, quite warm cup of water and I put in black salt. If you don't have access to black salt, you, a more medicinal one would actually be something called bamboo salt, which is harder to find, but it's really medicinal. But going, if you don't have access to either one of those, even a pink Himalayan salt is good. And I put about one to two grams or so in a cup of hot water. And I take that cup of hot water and I sip the whole cup, not gulping. I'm just like sip, 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 sip in one go. So it's basically also affecting the digestive fire. Each sip is kind of like, almost like it's awakening the digestive fire and it's massaging that. It's starting to open it up and it helps our stomach awaken as well. Like, Like I say, it's starting that fire, the salt. So... Water is actually their yin, in mm-hmm. terms of cooling. Now, of course, we're drinking more. I'm drinking warm or hot water, so it's already slightly counteractive. But the mineral com- component of the salt—that's why we want the salt. We're really after the minerals. That's yang. So we're balancing out the yinness of the water with the yang and the minerals, or the minerals. Yeah, sorry. And then that is helping our, like I say, our digestive fire to start get going. Which helps us also go to the bathroom in the morning, which is really something that's important for our, for us to be doing. We need to be making sure if stuff's coming in, there has to be stuff coming out. So it really helps to, to start the process for me. And I do that hot cup of water and, and I get my breakfast started in the morning and I enjoy a beautiful warm bowl of breakfast every morning when I am in my own kitchen. I'm challenged when I'm in a, a travel space or in a hotel, but absolutely every um, morning I'm eating a warm type of porridge. And I have a variety of different recipes I make if I'm going savory or sweet and different foods that I would include in there. And it's so beautiful. Some people say, Oh, but not in the summer. I don't want something hot in the summer. I would suggest doing your best to just try it out and keep trying, keep at it because it's so beneficial for your body, even in the hot summer.
0: My last question for you around this, I loved your description of your morning routine and your breakfast. And I noticed that you did not list one of the most common greens to eat in the U.S., which is oatmeal. Can you say a little yes. bit about why you didn't mention that? Sure. For one reason,
1: the oatmeal that we find in the supermarkets is, has been processed. It's not the whole groat anymore. It's not the grain form. So it's already been processed and broken down and therefore does not hold the nutritional value or similar nutritional value as a quinoa seed or as amaranth or as buckwheat or any of the other whole grains that I've mentioned. The reason why it's been broken down is because the whole actual oat groat, it sounds so weird to say that, the grain feels better for me, but this, it's, it's challenging to cook it. It requires the soaking process and it actually takes quite a bit longer than some of the other grains to cook. So it's not convenient at all. And it, the actual grain itself, if you tried to make a porridge out of it, it doesn't taste like the oatmeal that we're used to nowadays. So we've really come away from that, the real cooking of grains, to be more convenient. So we think we're still getting a whole grain, but it's not. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. Especially if you're getting like the quick, instant ones, you're absolutely moving farthest away from anything whole grain. Yeah. And unfortunately, today, oats also has uh, very close contact to wheat. And I really don't, I'm not gluten free. I don't necessarily promote gluten free. I'm not celiac either. But I really strongly suggest to move away from wheat products as much as possible because unfortunately, we've just damaged that crop so much. Um, with conventional farming. And oats is very close and often processed in same factories that wheat is. So it has often contamination in it. It's hard to find really organic oats. And again, it's not the whole grain. I really, really promote the whole grain.
0: Here in the U.S., there's only a couple of brands that do this, but you can get organic oats, but then if you want to make sure they're glyphosate free, which is one of the big problems that you're referring to, you can get organic oats that have also been tested for glyphosate because the cross-contamination, even though the oats are grown organically and glyphosate isn't necessarily applied to these specific oats, the cross-contamination that you're talking about is such a huge issue with, with wheat and oats. So I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a whole other podcast episode. It sounds like we have a lot more to talk about. I feel like I could talk with you for a long time. Thank you for coming here and sharing your thoughts on all of this. I really appreciated the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you stuck around for the end of another episode. Please share it with a friend and follow and review if you want to hear more conversations like this. If you'd like to bridge the gap between knowing and doing, I have a free download at my website for making healthy habits in just five minutes a day. While you're there, check out my group and private coaching options. Boxer Coaching is a great way for busy people to make getting healthy easier. Learn more about my coaching options and check out my wellness shop at my website, emilygeyser.com. You can connect with me directly on Instagram at emilygeiser. Links from the show notes. I'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Until then, think good thoughts and go for them.